0: In a world where busyness is worn like a badge of honor, it's almost impossible to imagine breaking free from the shackles of success. Working long hours, skipping meals, missing or being late to important life events, constantly playing catch up, exhausted to the bones. This has been normalized, especially in the medical and healthcare arena. Practice owners are fleeing to corporate practices or leaving medicine altogether in hopes of recapturing your time and energy. But you are here for a reason, and you've been searching for answers. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky. I'm an executive coaching consultant and time leadership expert. I'm mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back at least one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Together we learn, connect with like-minded practice owners and medical business experts, and expand your connection to an international community of peers. In each episode, we discuss the business of medicine and healthcare, how to avoid the pitfalls of success, And how to improve the bottom line, paving the way to exquisite fulfillment in your career and life. Join us each week to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on what you love most. You'll want to take notes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today for a new episode of Thriving Practice, the business podcast for medical and healthcare practices, where we help provider owners grow their business and take back their time. In today's episode, I am speaking with Matt Zeman, psychedelic medicine expert, best-selling author, and CEO and co-founder of Happy, a mental wellness company that specializes in psychedelic-assisted ketamine therapy along with digital therapeutics that promote life-transforming outcomes. Funny, Matt and I also learned that we are nearly neighbors. We live about five minutes away from one another in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, so that was a pretty cool connection. So on to the episode. I learned so much in this interview with Matt. We talked about the benefits of therapeutic psychedelics, who could benefit from using them, and what microdosing is. We also talked about expanding human potential, which I found really intriguing. Now, in case you're feeling some resistance to this topic, I invite you to get curious about the possibility of supporting individuals with treatment-resistant mental health conditions such as depression, anxiety, eating disorders, substance misuse, suicidal ideation, and post-traumatic stress disorder. Think of the people in your life and practice who have profoundly suffered and have tried everything to no avail. Now, as Matt says, psychedelics aren't a cure. They are a catalyst to change. He shares some statistics that were pretty mind-blowing. In one study, 89% of individuals with depression and anxiety experienced an improvement after a ketamine protocol. Now, there are other psychedelics that show promise in treatment for mental health disorders, though the only psychedelic that has been approved by the FDA for this specific use is S-ketamine, a nasal spray for treatment-resistant depression and acute suicidal thinking. Ketamine, the other one, was approved as an anesthetic in 1970, but using it to address psychiatric conditions is considered off-label, so it can be accessed, but only with a prescription from a medical provider. Matt stressed the importance of finding the right prescriber who will help you in the way that best supports your healing or the change that you seek, either with a guide, coaching and journaling, or in another way. What I found really interesting is the success people experience when they combine ketamine therapy with setting a clear intention, meditating, journaling, and focusing on creating new healthy habits. Matt's parting wisdom is this. Remember that not all providers are equal, so get clear about the treatment and support you desire if you choose to explore psychedelic therapy. If you choose to go the retreat route, ask a lot of questions about the number of participants, prescriber credentials, and the medical capabilities of the facility where the retreat is being held so that you find the right fit for the experience that you want to have. From the practical application of ketamine or other psychedelic therapies to the business model of Matt's telehealth company, I found this conversation both intriguing and promising in terms of the potential healing and positive impact for people who suffer with treatment resistant mental health conditions. Imagine a world where people can be free of the debilitating effects of trauma and treatment resistant mental health conditions. Now, to me, this is mind-blowing. So I want you to listen and just open your mind to the possibilities that come from this growing field of research and application for therapeutic use. You know what to do next? Grab a beverage or a snack or lace up your walking shoes and settle in to listen to Matt and his incredible insights. Matt, it is so good to have you on the show. Thank you so much for coming today.
1: Tracy, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: I am just thrilled we just learned that we're practically neighbors. We live not only in the same town but like a stone's throw from one another. So please share with our listeners where you're calling in from.
1: It is wild. I have this is my first Chapel Hill, North Carolina podcast. So super excited to to be able to meet up with you at the uh, the coffee shop up the street.
0: Totally. I think we both were just there today at different we times. We were. Yes, different times. <laughs> oh my gosh, what a small world. Well, I, I am really excited to share like what you do and who it's for. And just to tackle this, what I think is a topic with a lot of misconceptions and talk about what the benefits can be. So I think, you know, just take it away. Tell us the name of your company, what you do, and anything else you want to tell us, and we'll go from there.
1: Sure. I mean, I have it just as an introduction. Um, I have of a, a book out called "Psychedelics for Everyone," which tells some personal stories, um, kind of gives an overview of of psychedelic medicine, and then it goes medicine by medicine and what's the research, what are the, how do you use these medicines, what are the pros, what are the cons, what do you need to know, um, and that's um, we came out on October third and became a. Amazon bestseller in 19 categories. It's kind of wild. So we're just, I'm getting tremendous traction on that. So it's super exciting. And then I have a telehealth company where we're transforming lives using psychedelic assisted ketamine therapy. Um, But right now it's only available in Florida. So, uh, but hopefully as as listeners later on down the line are listening to this, we'll be in other States.
0: Wonderful. So can you tell us a little bit about microdosing and also maybe? put our fears to rest about the big, bad ketamine, the thing that we hear so much about in the news right now.
1: <laughs> all right, two different questions. Let's, let's start yeah. with, um, I'm gonna actually start with the end of your second question. So put our fears to rest. So it's so f- it's been fascinating to me recognizing all the misconceptions I had about psychedelic medicine as I've started this journey. I'm brand new to this. I'm an accidental psychonaut. Um, I didn't have my first psychedelic experience to a little bit over three years ago, three and a half, four years ago. And it just, it opened my mind to a set of possibilities and, a, and a, in a world that I did not know existed. And went right back um, into school, went and got a master's in psychology and neuroscience because of that experience. And learned that when you think about drugs that cause harm to yourself or others, like alcohol is on the far left-hand side of that chart. Um, alcohol, tobacco, Really, really, really problematic, and if you go all the way down to the right hand side, you have things like mushrooms. well that's the compl- I did not know that growing up, and I grew up in this just say no generation. I thought drugs are bad and they're going to fry my brain, and there's no medical use, and I'm going to get addicted and here I've f- found out and learning that most psychedelics are not addictive. most psychedelics um, are not harmful. They, they might have some side effects, but not in the same way that some of these other legal medicines too, So um, I'm going to start with that in terms of putting people's mind at ease. We can talk about specific psychedelics as we go through this discussion. But for the most part, these are really powerful medicines that can do a lot of good. And I did not know that before going on this journey. And that's really what this book is about. I didn't want to be too opinionated, not too woo, not too technical. I want to present the research and let people make up their own minds.
0: I think... I'd also like to know, like, what are some of the benefits? Like, I know that, you know, it's being used for um, maybe treatment-resistant depression and anxiety and also substance misuse. So what are some of the, well, you can tell us about those benefits and maybe other benefits.
1: Yeah. So so we're going to do benefits. We'll come back to microdosing. We'll come all the way around to ketamine. And 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 there's (laughs) a reason why, I mean, right now there's 309 academic institutions that are either studying psychedelics or have psychedelic centers. Right here, we're in Chapel Hill, North Carolina. UNC just got a $27 million grant to study psychedelics, and Duke has a psychedelic center. So both directions that we look, studying psychedelics. Why? Because of the benefits. What are the benefits for people who have depression, anxiety, OCD, eating disorders? They want to curb their substance use, whether it's smoking or alcohol or or, um, opioid addiction. Um, It just goes on and on what psychedelics are being shown to do in the research. And, and again, there's lots of different ways you can take them. Lots of different aspects of this research, but it is over and over and over again being shown to have a really tremendous benefits. So I'll give you just one quick study. There is a study of ketamine. So ketamine is the only legal psychedelic in America that you can that anybody can do with a prescription. And they took a little bit over 1,200 patients with depression. 89 percent had improvements. In their depression and anxiety, um, through their through their ketamine six treatment ketamine protocol, sixty three percent was fifty percent or more improvements. Those are massive numbers, and that's it's it's a relatively easy substance to uh, to take. It's it it's, it's very doable for the average person. Um, MDMA, a little more statistic. Um, it's it's finishing their phase three trials right now. FDA has declared it as breakthrough therapy. And they're using MDMA on people with treatment-resistant post-traumatic stress disorder, treatment-resistant post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, So, we're talking about veterans, first responders, victims of uh, sexual assault, and nothing's worked. Two treatments of MDMA, and 67% no longer qualify as having PTSD. So, with these kind of numbers, the public's taking notice, academics are taking notice, journalists are taking notice, and um, yeah there's a, there's a lot to offer here
0: that's remarkable that is remarkable and just the suffering right the suffering that people endure with unnecessary
1: unnecessarily because this oh. because this prohibition we've lived through i mean I was born in seventy two my entire life was in this prohibition I didn't know there was a prohibition it just was
0: mhm- well but I remember now, the commercials with the frying eggs and
1: and the commercials yeah
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the so there's propaganda. so there's yeah.
1: there's medicine that can make a difference. Interesting. And people just need to find it.
0: And now the FDA is actually starting to approve this, which I think is also very interesting, right? That this is used for medical purposes.
1: It's really needed. I mean, so ketamine again was legalized by the FDA back in I think 1970. So, but but as an anesthesia, it wasn't as for mental health. So it's used off-label today in most cases for mental health. There is a type of ketamine called S-ketamine that was actually specifically FDA-approved for mental health. It's it's very, very expensive. You have to go into a clinic, and it's a um, there's no research that says it's any better than the generic. But the FDA has, now they're looking at MDMA, breakthrough therapy. They're looking at psilocybin, breakthrough therapy. And we should have both of those legal, MDMA in the next two years, MD, uh, psilocybin in the next three or four. And again, more options for people who, uh, who right now are are being forced to kind of, if they they get lucky, they get into a clinical trial, but otherwise they're being forced to either travel somewhere or do medicines other than ketamine illegally here in the States. And that's just not ideal. It's not, it's not ideal to ask people or force people to do something that, uh, that's illegal.
0: Right. That might land them in prison or some, yeah.
1: That's something. not ideal. Yes.
0: And also it's not it's not equitable if it's that far out of reach. I think that's the other side of it is that if it's not been approved for medical use and it's not being offered legally, then only the people who can afford who have the resources to travel or to buy themselves out of prison if they need to, <laughs> you know, yep. can have access to this. And so that, that discounts and locks out a large portion of our, you know, the population.
1: And that's actually, that's, that's what got one of the things that had me fired up in terms of starting a ketamine company. So ketamine, while it's legal and it's prescribed, it's not reimbursed by insurance. That's hmm. ketamine. You, you might be able to get a reimbursement, but regular ketamine, you don't. And typically for six sessions in a clinic, $4,500, $6,000 for, for the package, it's a lot of money um, for someone. So there's, yeah, where's the equity there? Yeah. So by going the telehealth model and using digital therapeutics, and we've tried to really bring the cost down where you're, where you're closer to $1,200 for your first six sessions, and then maybe $700 or $800 after that. And there's a number of providers um, that I think are doing a good job. So you have Happy, which is my company, New Life, N-U-E dot Life, and Mindbloom are kind of the um, and Better, Better You Care, kind of the big players in the space. Um, So people, and depending what state you're in and listening to this, if that's something you're interested in, any of those companies would be good telehealth options. And then there are 400 or so ketamine clinics across the country, all 50 states that work with mental health and ketamine. And um, you should be able to find one, hopefully, in a city near you if you want to go in person.
0: Interesting. So, for just for clarification, the your company happy and then the others that you listed, these are telehealth companies and mm-hmm. they're only mm-hmm. I don't know if the correct terminology is registered or, or licensed in the states where they currently exist. So, for yeah, example, most your of us are, are, only operates in Florida,
1: in Florida. Yeah, most of us are technology platforms that are connecting members to prescribers <clears throat> and then they were adding prescribers in different states, and that's how you kind of You build out um, versus clinics, which are typically run by a prescriber and they're very localized.
0: Gotcha. So, if you want to, well, I think one of the things that telehealth has done just across the board is make medicine more equitable. Again, this is something like they're having some clients that I've worked with, you know, serve the. I I saw a, a terminal, a term today that I thought was really interesting. It's not necessarily just underserved. It's (laughs) It's over-ignored <laughs> communities, which hmm. I think is really interesting. I've not heard so that. We have, that. Isn't is it that interesting? interesting? Yeah. So food and medicine deserts, for example, right? So we have that, but you can bridge that gap with telemedicine, which I think is something that's, it's here to stay. I think, you know, COVID helped expand that a lot and accelerate, I think, the growth of that.
1: It really did. And it really, it allowed for a, in a almost a large scale trial, it allowed for outcomes to be compared of telehealth versus in, in person. And I think the research is pretty clear there. There certainly isn't a negative and there might even be a positive um, from a consumer or patient perspective of, oh my gosh, I don't have to travel and wait in the waiting room and have all this other impacts of going and trying to see a practitioner. Um, it's yeah, way more convenient. People who who avoided doctor visits are signing up for telehealth just because of the the efficiency of it.
0: Yeah, I mean, my preference would be, you know, if my appointment's for a half an hour, it might be forty minutes if I'm waiting a little bit,
1: mm-hmm. and that's it. <laughs> so, yep. Like,
0: like I don't have to drive across town or anything. <laughs> right. It's a big deal. It is a big deal. That I mean, our time is precious. Our energy is precious. I think we're all a little fatigued from just. All of the stress of the last couple of years, and so if we can remove some of the stressors, why wouldn't we? Exactly, there's just so many wins in there. So, is this your business model? Just briefly, sure. This is it—the telehealth component that helps reduce the cost of doing a treatment because you don't have it's
1: it's all of it infrastructure. It's it's, It's looking for efficiencies at every piece of the of the supply chain, so how do we have to have efficiencies in marketing which again it's it's a funny thing to th- say in healthcare but it's it's called patient education whatever makes whatever feels right but there's efficiencies there which then leads to um the efficiency of the intake process so how do you automate the forms and the assessments and find out if there are contraindications i mean with telehealth companies there are people who are good candidates for ketamine but might not be good candidates for Telehealth ketamine. So if someone has suicidal ideation, yeah, get into a ketamine clinic, not telehealth. Right. Uh, super high depression, again, not telehealth, mm. um, but maybe ketamine. So trying to figure out who is this patient efficiently, and then getting them to a prescriber at an affordable uh, medical intake. That's an efficiency. Then getting them to what we call guides, which are unlicensed but trained specialists in preparation and integration so the things that go along with ketamine and then giving them every day activities to help develop what we call happy habits other companies have different variations on this to um to help them make the positive change in their uh, changes in their life so the, the psychedelic medicine is not a cure you're not going to take a pill like it and, and oh my whatever's gone it's a it's a catalyst for change. And the um the digital therapeutics really help reinforce that positive activity by helping people journal and meditate and become aware. So there's efficiencies kind of in all of those different areas. And then sorry, one other piece is is if even efficiency in the medicine is just working, finding the the compounding pharmacies that have uh um are known for their their quality and then finding affordable shipping routes. Every piece of this has been looked at to try to make it as efficient as possible to increase access by increasing affordability.
0: So many wins. Again, looking at it like as a business person, like there's just so Mm -hmm. many reasons that this business model can be successful. And I think everybody who gets to be a part of it gets to win. The providers, the prescribers, the you, the owner, the founder of this business, and also your patients who come through, your clients or patients who come through. Really interesting. So you talked a little bit about the guides who prepare. I'm curious about that. Well, it seems very efficient to me that you could go on a journey of maybe six or 12 you know, doses with guidance and all of that and basically knock down the barriers to healing, right? So I'm curious how one prepares for this. So it seems like a journey to me. And it seems it like a there's it's a journey within,
1: is what we call it. <laughs> yeah. Preparing oh, I love for that. your journey within. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So, I mean, it's starting with, with uh, we, we give everybody an integration uh, preparation journal. So it starts with what is your intention? What, why are you here? What brought you here? What, what do you hope to, to learn or to heal or to see or to resolve? Asking those kinds of questions and asking the person to take some time think about these things for a little bit journal on these things for a little bit and then really come clear i i would like to have changed my relationship with my children great that's a good intention i would this piece of my personality is not serving me well and i want to understand why i'm still doing it okay that's a strong intention let's get some clarity on intention so the guide's help people with that process the journal also gives prompts and that helps um when you take and I'm going to use ketamine just because, again, we're sticking with the legal psychedelics for, just this, for at least this part of the conversation. When you put the ketamine in your mouth, it's about a 15-minute onset of action. So you're there, and we have a meditation and music that you're listening to. And then at, at about the 12-minute mark, you spit the medicine out, you put on an eye mask where the eyes have been cut out, and you lay down. And that's when the journey within begins. So you've done all this prep work. You have a clear frame of mind you're relaxed and meditated you've taken this ketamine and now you start this journey and the medicine is going to go where the medicine goes and um many people have dissociative uh, effects sometimes there's visuals sometimes there's somatic experience um, but that whole process is about an hour mm. and then you emerge and uh and you take off your mask get, and get your feet behind you and then we ask you to start integrating what came up for you? What did you think about? Did you have any insights? Where in your body did you feel this medicine? Um, And then there's a whole process that our guides and and the journal we use, um, we created, takes our members through where they try to unpack that and then see what came up. And then typically people do about six sessions over six weeks. And then then they decide if they want to continue on and most time, and if they are going to continue on, they figure out what is the right, is it every week, is it every two weeks, is it once a month? And that depends on the person. Mm-hmm.
0: Really interesting. Do you, without giving away, you know, something that might identify someone, can you share like a great success story, like something that's really been a breakthrough for someone?
1: Oh my goodness. I mean, I, I, yes. Is a, yeah, I, many, I'm I'll, sure. <laughs> There's a person I know who uh, who had his first suicide attempt at 23. Mm. He um, was on about 20 different types of medications. Nothing worked. And a year ago, um, Canadian, this person, he found his way to ketamine. And on a scale of one to 60, a depression scale of one to 60, he was a 53. And um, this is the type of test you don't want the higher score. So not doing well about a year ago. and. Had his first ketamine um, treatment then, did the six protocol, talked to him a couple of weeks ago, and he's a 10. Whoa! It's that big of a difference. And I asked how often are you doing it now? About once a month. So it's, it's very manageable. He doesn't have the side effects that, uh, that came with uh, antidepressants. He's not addicted to a, to a medicine like he would have been with antidepressants. Mm-hmm. And um, it's a huge, it's a game changer. For his life.
0: So he's come off of his antidepressants. Correct. Wow. Yeah. wow. yeah, that's...
1: What's super nice about ketamine is it's the only psychedelic actually that you can take while on antidepressants. Mm-hmm. It works in a whole, it works in your glutamate system versus your serotonin. So it's, a, you don't have the, uh, a lot of other psychedelics, They're they would encourage you to wean yourself off before having an experience. But ketamine, you can... You can kind of try it before you buy it type of thing. Try it, see how it works for you, and then wean yourself off I think with a the doctor's help to be super clear on this.
0: Right, to be yes, I was just, yeah. and I, I would think that, you know, for someone who scores a fifty three for suicidal ideation or tendencies or thoughts, um, weaning off of one's the antidepressants is probably not a good idea without some other kind of support. So to be able to do something, at the same time and then come off of the the meds sounds pretty ideal.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's a nice way to be able to it's hard I mean coming off of antidepressants is hard period. Mm-hmm. And um but this is a this can help make it a little bit more bearable.
0: Yeah. Very interesting. I mean this is just this is fascinating. Um I'm gonna switch gears just a little bit and for our listeners who are providers mm-hmm. what what does this open up for them if they have patients that they see, you know, whether they're anywhere from psychiatrists, psychologists to medical providers who have been supporting patients who are struggling with maybe treatment-resistant anxiety, depression, or, or PTSD?
1: I love this question. I have a lot of friends who are medical professionals. and um, And I'm going to answer this from two sides of the coin. And I think that what they would tell you is Their experience, their personal experience with psychedelic medicine, legal or illegal, depending on who you're talking to, has helped them become better providers. It's helped them have more empathy. It's helped them feel more connected. It's helped them have more patience. It's helped them feel um, even more confident in what they do and more creative in what they do. Hmm. And for many of these providers, they are in positions where they can either prescribe to their patients some of these options or they can. uh, um, recommend to their patients that they explore some of these options themselves. And then, um, at, depending on, again, depending on the provider, they can then have a, a, a double impact an impact looking down or looking across towards their patient and then towards themselves and uh, the impact there.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I would imagine, too, given the times, I think. People in the medical and wellness industry have been stressed for a long time. And I think COVID, whether they're frontline or not, has just really, I think none of us are like, okay, from this whole COVID experience, right? We can sort of put that blanket statement out there. I would imagine the, like the compound effects of the added stress of the global pandemic for the people who are listening, maybe who have never considered this this might be a great avenue for relieving that and like you were saying that the providers who have who have used this for themselves well they've increased their patience right and their understanding and their sure. empathy and likely decreased a lot of this, the impact of the stress and possibly you know other negative impacts we do know that you know like medical school is not necessarily kind to people and it's a very you know grueling Single. journey and yeah no. so Really, and
1: what um, a and what a tough time to be a provider these last few years. I mean, yeah. it's it's in addition to all the other stuff that they deal with, having the the extra risk that is brought in on them, and mm-hmm. and then the stress of what does this mean to my family, to their parents, to their children, to their spouse, mm-hmm. um, and then what's the other the additional stress on their patients that then this, those that energy that the patients are bringing into their visits with the professionals. Yeah, it's tough, really tough. Um, yeah. And I think when you think about and just the difference between antidepressant and ketamine, I'm just going to get, I'm going to stick with legal. I'm happy to go into the illegal discussion. But when you take an antidepressant, first of all, it's not going to work on there. Does they don't work on 40 ish percent of the people who try them, period. Mm-hmm. It takes six, eight, 14 weeks to really have the impact of this. So There's a long trial period. We just don't know if it's going to work. And then there are all the side effects, whether it's a sexual dysfunction, memory loss, suicidal ideation, pick your side effect. There's a price tag. Mm -hmm. I think what people maybe don't know about ketamine is in many cases, you feel that effect in an hour. That's just different. And then it's about how long does that effect last on you? And that changes from person to person. But that the idea of like oh wow I felt the weight of the world lift off my shoulders, had people say that very specific sentence many many times. Um, It's just you forget you I I forgot how much you're just carrying with you until it's gone, and then it's like oh I was carrying I was lugging that around from appointment to appointment from my interactions with my kids and my spouse and my parents. (laughs) It's um. It's hard, but when you, when you have that relief, then it's like, okay, now I remember what it feels like to live without that anxiety or to live without that depression. And, um, and that's what I want more of in my life. And then you can start Mm -hmm. going back there. But the unique, in many cases, is that memory jogger that, uh, that helps reset the path.
0: Amazing. I'm a big vision sort of thinker. So, of course, my mind goes straight up to 50,000 feet. I was like, right. hmm. imagine the ripple effect of supporting people in healing and overcoming, you know, internal barriers, that heaviness. When you were saying lifting the weight of the world, I thought, wow, you know, every person who I know who deals with depression talks about the heaviness of it. And that that's hard. Even when we talk therapy and all kinds of different things, it's really hard to shed that so i think it's just the creativity and the fullness of life that becomes potential for people you know it's like i mean i feel actually a little emotional thinking about it just how liberating that can be for people like all the suffering it's just really incredible
1: yeah it's um let's talk about what's happening behind the scenes a lot of times and how do psychedelics work and this is all psychedelics when I mean, you're we get into kind of these thinking patterns where if you can think of them like you're you're skiing down the mountain you're sticking in the same tracks over and over and as we get older those those tracks get deeper and it's worth it and literally behind the scenes our neurons are firing the same way and when you take a psychedelic it's going to kind of dampen down the default mode network and allow neurons to reconnect in ways that are that they used to um but they don't right now and for that period of time, whether it's an hour in ketamine or six hours on magic mushrooms, you're, you are reminded of how you used to think. And it's like, oh, I, I have been looking at everything and adding a gray layer and feeling that weight. And then what's super special or additionally special is things like ketamine actually starts the process of neurogenesis. New neurons start to be created and continue on well after that medicine leaves your body. So you have reminded yourself of the, of, and you've reconnected some neurons or a lot of neurons. You start creating, our neural networks. You start creating new neurons, and you remember this when you come out of that psychedelic uh, experience, and then you can choose to take action. And that's the difference between what many people think about, like, oh, I, I tried psychedelics in college, it was awful. Yeah, that's that's kind of when you when you take it and not judging a recreational use. But when you take it without much thought and without um, the intention and in a setting that might not be ideal and with no support structure, yeah, it's, it, it's just taking a trip. You just did an experience. When we're talking about what we're talking about here, it's, okay, I've set all this up. I really want to pay attention to what's happening. And I want to use this new knowledge to help become a more optimized me. And, what, and that can look like a lot of different things to a lot of different people. But the premise is there. Whatever it means to you to heal or to optimize or to grow, that's what we're that's what you're uh, you're trying to spark that process with a psychedelic.
0: You know, what really stands out to me here is the intention. Well, the intention and the support, right? You have the guides and it's I mean, to me it sounds a lot like coaching, right? As a coach, I can sure. I recognize just how how clear that path is and the, the structure around it. And I think You know, again, no shade to recreational use for things, whatever, but it's it's setting the right intention and setting the right conditions or the most ideal conditions for this journey toward what it is, the outcome that you desire, and maybe even better, right?
1: Absolutely. I think that's why coaches use companies like ours because Mm -hmm. okay, you no, you you can't prescribe the medicine, shouldn't prescribe the medicine. You don't have all the expertise around the ketamine, but you're in the discussion with the participant. You know what their goals are, what they're trying to achieve. You know what their sticky points are. You know what their habits, their reoccurring bad habits are that uh, in many cases, more than their spouse. You know a lot. Mm -hmm. And if you can refer to a company that can help with the medicine, and then you're acting almost like the guide on both sides of it, are you prepared? Are you ready? Do you know what you're going for? Let's be clear. Take your medicine. Come back out. How did it go? What's going on? What does that mean? What does that look like? How's that gonna? What what actions are you gonna take? And mm-hmm. you can help the three D world that that linear process of integration as people are coming out. Not having you know, and I imagine it's not about advice. It's about ah uh, just bringing out that internal healing or internal uh, intelligence out of that person, and um and just encouraging them on the path that they're on.
0: Really powerful. Wow. So, for our listeners who want to know and learn more, or maybe even if you're in Florida and you want to connect directly with Happy, where can we direct people to find you and your?
1: Company? Sure. So, a couple of things for me: if you go to mattzeman.com, um, and actually go to mattzeman.com/slash/thriving practice, you'll have a guide to microdosing that you can download. And we should talk about microdosing just before we go. And then, um, and then that has my LinkedIn and Instagram and um and my and my company website happy.me so happy with two eyes dot me and then my book psychedelics for everyone is available really everywhere that books are sold. Um hopefully at your library soon that's that's in process and then uh, and our audio book comes out in less than two weeks and uh and that's yeah, I think that's a treat. You had asked me about microdosing early on and we got we, yes. We went down other rabbit holes. We, we did. come back out for a second? <laughs> so microdosing, for those who don't know, is when you take a sub-perceptual amount of a psychedelic. So typically it's somewhere between one-tenth and one-twentieth of a dose. So a very, very, very small amount. When you've dialed in microdosing perfectly for you, you don't feel it, which means you can drive, you can go to work, you can do everything you do, because you don't feel it. But theoretically behind the scenes, what it's doing is it's just turning the, uh, the blues are a little bit bluer. The grays are a little bit less gray. You feel a little bit more connected. You feel a little bit more creative. That's kind of what the research says happens. And you take most people microdose using one of two protocols. Um, One protocol is that you take it four days in a row and then you skip three days and you do that for about a month and then you take two weeks off. The other protocol, that's a Paul Stamets protocol. And he actually mixes the the mushrooms with a couple other different types of non-psychedelic mushrooms. um, And he believes that's the best stack for cognition, creativity, and everything. There's another uh, person, Dr. James Fadiman, Jim Fadiman, who his protocol is you take it on day one, it's still in your body um, on day two, it leaves your body on day three, and then you do it again on day four. And again, you do it for a month, give yourself a couple of weeks off, and you can repeat. Both are very uh, accepted normal protocols. And then, then there's a lot of infra- everything from like, well, okay, how do you figure out what's the right dose and all that's in this, in that microdosing guide I was talking about. But it's a, uh, yeah, you if you're doing it right, you don't feel it, and you can function in your everyday life. So it's not something to be uh, Once you dial that in and you know what that dosage is for you, it's not something to be scared of.
0: That's, that's good to know because I think, you know, again, especially for those of us from Gen X and we grew up mm-hmm. with all of the just say no and, you know, Nancy Reagan and all that. I think there's a lot of fear. I, I mean, even just like as I was preparing to have this interview, I was like, oh, I got to check some, you know, bias here and set it to the side. And it's not because I have necessarily strong judgment or any experience at all, but just all that. All of that propaganda and the, you know, marketing, I guess, advertising and all of that around, sure. around what can happen that your brain is going to fry like an egg and all that great stuff. So, you know, I, I have found this conversation, one, to be very enlightening, but also, like, I feel like it opens up an entire world of possibility, especially for people who have been suffering. Obviously, we can maybe non-suffering, worried well types can optimize, and I think that's also you know very desirable, but I, I see you know a greater application to supporting people who really haven't been able to find a way to feel better and to break through that. And I think that's just tremendous.
1: yeah, it's beautiful finding, yeah. and that's that drives me every day. How do we help people feel better? And because psychedelics are, are working on so many different things, because so much of it relates back to how we process. Things that have happened to us in the past and how we think about the things around us. So all that same, it might manifest differently for you than it does for me, than it does for the person down the street. But the the mechanics behind it are often similar, Mm -hmm. and um, and psychedelics can be can be powerful cures for that. So I'm loving all the research happening, and and I hope that uh, when people read my book, they can they can make their own decision. And and I'm not saying that everybody should take psychedelics by any stretch, but by being informed of what they can do that might help shape your, how you think about them, how you feel about them, how you vote about them, and then how you choose to take them or you choose to support somebody else in your life who is uh, who's taking them. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, before we wrap up, do you have any advice for people? Like, If people are interested in learning, not just to find your website, but if they want to know more, what should they know? What do they need to know before they proceed? If they decide do to they explore psychedelic. They
1: need to know that all psychedelic providers are not created equal. They need to be clear on what they're trying to do as they're researching who they're going to work with. So I'll use ketamine as an example. There are ketamine providers who believe that it's just a biochemical reaction. And you're going to go in, you're going to sit on a chair. It's very clinical. They put an IV in your arm and off you go. And there's other providers who believe that it's a, it, there needs to be some support whether it's therapists, licensed or unlicensed on both sides of that. If you agree in that model, which which I believe the research is pretty clear, the best outcomes come from that model, then make sure the provider you pick follows that model. If you don't believe in that model, then you have you can go in the, this this other direction as well. Same thing is true for the retreats. I mean, a lot of people I know are flying down to Costa Rica or Peru and doing these ayahuasca retreats or Mexico with the psilocybin and ayahuasca retreats or there's some DMT retreats down there now. Same thing. Ask the questions. How many people will be participating at the same time with me? There are retreats that have under 20 people, under 40 people. Some have 80 to 100. In my opinion, that's a lot of people to have in a, uh, having a psychedelic experience at the same time. Again, that's my opinion. But make whatever opinion you want, but at least ask the question to be aware of what's going to happen. Ask what is your, what do you have? And very, very, most psychedelics have, have very low risk for the patient. But on any travel, things can happen, let alone in a heightened sense. So, what are your medical capabilities? Um, what are their credentials? What's on, what's your closest facility? Um, Again, less important for things like psilocybin. But if you're, if for someone who's doing Ibogaine, it's a really big question. So those, those are the kinds of things that as you're going in to have your eyes open. Again, my book, I'm not trying just to promote my book. I put, there's lots of videos, by the way, on my website. You're welcome to have it for free. Um, the, uh, my book talks about those kind of a general introduction to psychedelics as a whole, and then medicine by medicine. What are the things that you should consider if that's what you're considering for yourself?
0: Wonderful. Mm. What what a rich conversation and definitely something to consider, I think, for for providers who are listening, who maybe have patients who have been struggling, or for your own self for dealing with your your traumas that I'm sure you have, as we all do, and for for optimizing. Our own performance. I think there's just so many benefits to this, and I have certainly learned a lot today.
1: <laughs> Tracy, I've, I've I've enjoyed this conversation thoroughly. I appreciate what you do. I appreciate that you're doing this for medical professionals and the coaching that you give is just so valuable. It's it's a it's funny to me. I mean, I've had I've used I've had two different coaches for the last more than a decade, actually. Wow, I'm getting old. But I just <laughs> it's it's like for it's like people either have coaches or they don't. But it's such a secret weapon for those who do. Yeah, um, and I can't imagine not having a coach because everybody else in my business world wants something. My coach is my th- neutral third party in my corner who is who knows me really well, and he's like ah, you were not right on that, or maybe think about it this way, or how is this going to serve this need? And uh, it's lovely to be. i really appreciate what you do, and thank, thank you for you. doing it.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I also always have a coach i'm either working with a coach or in a mastermind with coaches always mm-hmm. so you know not just promoting that so that somebody will hire me but also like this is how we grow this is like you said the neutral person in your corner who's there asking the right questions and providing insights and getting to know us and and our our vulnerabilities and all of the fears and all of the things in a way that really supports us so thank you for for highlighting that i appreciate it of course Well, I look forward to sharing this episode with our listeners. And I just thank you so much for coming on today.
1: Tracy, again, thanks for having me and thanks for doing what you do. My pleasure.
0: I hope you enjoyed this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you coming here week after week, dear listener, to listen and learn how to elevate your leadership, grow your practice, and to think and act like the high-impact CEO provider that you're meant to be. I have one request of you. If you've benefited from this show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with your thoughts on the show. Your feedback and review help us get in front of other amazing practice owners just like you. Thank you again for listening and until next time.